Welcome to the ACC Now podcast, another edition on the way. I am C.L. Brown, the Raleigh News and Observer, North Carolina beat writer, and joining me is Luke DeCock, columnist extraordinaire for the NNO. What's going on, Luke? I don't know. I don't know about all that to quote Mark Godfrey, <laughs> but um, I, as always, yell. I'm happy to sit down with you and talk about this stuff. No doubt. Well, we have a special episode today. Uh, well, I guess they're all special. We only do this twice a week, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we we have a new voice that will you will be hearing. Uh, interview with North Carolina sophomore guard Caleb Love. I think Caleb is probably one of the more interesting players on the roster for the Tar Heels because I think this team wins or loses based off of what he does more than anybody else. Um, What do you think about kind of the season that Caleb has had so far this year? I'm going to go ahead and disagree with your premise right off the hop. I think he's one of the most fascinating players in the ACC, if not the country. Um, I, I, I think by far the most fascinating player on the UNC roster for exactly the reason that you said, which is as he goes, so go the Tar Heels. And you see it when he shoots well, they win. When he shoots poorly, they lose. Uh, when he has five assists, they win every time. Uh, when he has, I think, five or six turnovers, they win every time, which to me says that when he has the ball in his hands and he's being active, even if it's not necessarily good, that good things are happening for the Tar Heels. I, he's just you know, he can be a polarizing player, especially among UNC fans, because when he's bad, he looks terrible, you know, taking Mm -hmm. shots, you know, uh, the sequence at the end of the Louisville game, uh, where he nearly, you know, cost UNC that game in regulation, uh, with, I think it was four bad possessions in a row, uh, you know, that drives people insane, but by the same token, when he's on and when he's playing well, he's a dynamic explosive. He can be a playmaker. He's a, a no hesitation shooter. There's so much in his game, and at times it looks to me a little raw and unpolished, but the natural talent there is overwhelming. And I I think what we've seen more over the, I don't know, last third of this UNC season, and you may disagree because you you see them in person more than I do, um, is that he's starting maybe to figure a little bit of that out and get some of his game under control a little bit. And when he is... And when he's playing sort of within himself and bringing his teammates into the action, UNC is a dramatically better basketball team uh, because it does bring some of his teammates' strengths into play. But I I don't remember a player who looks as good as Caleb Love does when he's playing well and as bad as he as he looks when he's playing poorly. It's you just you just yeah. usually don't see that in someone, you know, this talented at this level. Yeah, that's that's a good question on on who we compare to in that respect. Um, I do think you'll see stretches where it really looks like Caleb has figured it out. The start of the Virginia tech game uh, in Blacksburg, uh, he had four assists. He wasn't even really necessarily looking for his shot in that first half. He was looking to get everybody else involved. And, um, and then for a stretch in the second half, he, he took over. Um, But there are also stretches, like you mentioned, uh, the Louisville win at home. I mean, he had his five assists in that game or 12 and 0 when he has five assists this season, but he has seven turnovers. <laughs> like it's like seven. That's a lot of turnovers. <laughs> yeah. So uh so so a lot of times, a lot of games, you will see 
the both the good and the bad, the big swings with Caleb. But I, I do agree um, with you. When he is on, Carolina looks like, you know, the preseason top 15 team that they were, uh, well, top 20 team that they were. Um, but when he looks bad, they looks like they look like the bubble team that they are. That's that's part of the reason why they're in this position right now. Um, but I, I thought one thing I thought was interesting, and we we get into it a little bit in the interview um, with Caleb, is uh, he's he's talked openly about meditating and how that has helped him kind of block everything else out. Because I mean, I think. You know, he was a guy highly recruited, came in with a lot of expectations and not just him, but I've seen it around the country. When guys don't go to the league after one year, then, you know, it's almost like they feel like uh, they failed. And and a lot of the outside pressure comes in to play and they feel like they have to do certain things on the court. But Caleb has talked about um, his meditating and how that has helped him kind of stay focused and stay clear out of curiosity. I'm wondering how much have you seen mental health uh, from players just and not even limited to college basketball, but just this, you know, in this time right now, how much have you seen guys talk more about their mental health? I mean, exponentially order of magnitude more. And I, and that honestly, I think started before the pandemic you know, the ACC was actually kind of at the forefront of talking about this stuff, not necessarily at the player level, but sort of at the, you know, athletic department, how do we better support our athletes level? Um, ACC was doing a lot of that in 2018, 2019, sort of pre-pandemic. Obviously, mm-hmm. when we get into this, this pandemic, it's tested everybody's mental health. And, and I, I really have, I've said this a number of times over the last 18 months or whatever, two years, I guess, almost now. You know, I really feel for these athletes and, and, and who, who came on to empty campuses and performed in yeah. empty buildings. You know, when, when we were talking about like Walker Kessler transferring and how unusual it is for players to transfer out of UNC, I, I was, you know, people, how could they do this? You know, you know, everyone who's transferred from UNC has been a terrible person or whatever. And, and it's like, you got to remember these kids. And and this is true of Armando Baycott to a certain extent, although he had he had, um, you know, he's he's had more time since. but. You come in, you play in these empty buildings. Uh, you don't. You're not on campus with other students necessarily. You're, you're, you're sequestered. You know, at Duke. Though their players spent an entire year living in the Washington Duke Hotel. Like that's not a dorm that's experience. Crazy. That's not yeah. a college experience. Um, you know. So so these these players haven't had uh, uh, what you would call what you or I would call a, a normal campus experience. I think it's a little bit, it got better over time, obviously. Um, but, but there was a period of time for a player like Walker Kessler, you know, how could he leave UNC? Well, he didn't go to UNC the way you went to UNC yeah. or people think of going to UNC. He was basically spending a year at the Butner federal prison playing basketball. <laughs> so he doesn't have those ties that bind, you know, in Charles Kuralt's intonement. There, there isn't any of that for a player like Walker Kessler. So that's one aspect of this mental health thing. Players have gone through this very unusual, quote unquote, college experience. The other part of it is we're all talking about it. It's it's okay for someone like Caleb Love to talk about this now and not be considered weak or soft or, yeah. you know, get mocked by his teammates or fans. You know, think about what 20 years ago, if, if Caleb Love said he medita- meditated, 
the Cameron crazies would all be going oh <laughs> every time he has stupid stuff like that, right? But there's no stigma attached to it now the way there was years ago, even five years ago. Like I just I saw this the other day. Marty Fish, the tennis player, tweeted something that he tweeted out. I think it was five or six years ago that I'm sorry, I won't be able to compete at the U.S. Open for health reasons. And he said just now, like, hey, I couldn't say six years ago that it was my mental health, but now I can. And I think we're in that kind of place now with college athletes too, where they feel comfortable talking about things that they may do to maintain their mental health. And let's not forget, social media is a huge part of that, that these athletes live in a daily environment where their social media accounts are being barraged with people telling them how much they suck. Now, there are people telling them how great they are, but we all know when you scan through social media, you skip over the ones about how great you are and you ruminate over the people. Internalize, yeah. Yeah, and internalize that. And we all talk about, oh, just ignore it. It doesn't work that way. You know, it's you need to maintain a, 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 a sterile mental health environment for your own good. And I think a lot of people need to take control of their, their social media accounts. If, if you have a social media account on Twitter or whatever, where you get comments from people you don't know, my number one recommendation for everybody is to change the setting that says only see mentions from people who follow you. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow me and be a part of this conversation, then I'm willing to hear what you have to say. Then you, you bought your way into my, my kitchen, so to speak. Um, but if, if you're just some jerk who doesn't like my AP ballot, you're, <laughs> you're, you're screaming into the wind because I don't care what you think. You're just another person out there with a terrible opinion that in pre-social media times, I was blessed not to run into at a bar. <laughs> but now you can reach out to me directly and tell me what a jerk I am. Uh, because I don't think your team is as good as Arizona or some stupid stuff like that. So I urge people cleanse, maintain discipline, do what you have to do to make social media, you know, curate, cultivate an environment that's good for you. And that that's one of the things that works really well for me. So am I surprised that Caleb Love is openly talking about meditating? No, I think meditation is great. Um, I'm not doing it currently, but there have been times in my life where I found it extremely helpful and I probably should be doing it currently. Um, but I think it's great that he's talking about, it. I also think I would re- have recommended that to him if he asked me, because I think part of his game is he plays too fast at times and mm-hmm. meditating is something that can oftentimes allow you to take stock, uh, and, and function better in other areas of your life. You feel less stress, less anxiety, et cetera. These are all things that would be great for a player who has the sort of things he needs to fix in his game that Caleb Love has. Yeah. Caleb, uh, also, he actually, we talk about social media in this because there, there's a, a back and forth with uh, involving Duke. <laughs> I'll let him talk about it. I'll let you hear it in the actual interview. But uh, we're going to transition now. So the next voice that you hear will be myself, C.L. Brown, speaking with North Carolina sophomore guard, Caleb Love. Hey, I wanted to kind of start like going way back for a second and then bringing it all the way back up to date. Um, I saw somewhere where your dad took you to the 2005 national championship game. Yeah. What was that? What do you remember from that? You were you like four? Yeah, I don't remember it at all, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember it at all. Do you have any but, pictures? Uh, I'm, I'm sure he has some. Uh, uh, somewhere in the in the vault. Yeah. 
So, so did your dad? Was he? Uh, would he? Would you consider him a Carolina fan back then? Yeah, for sure. He was always a Carolina fan because uh, him and my mom were like their favorite player was Michael Jordan. So, um, you know, growing up, they they always wanted to. They always liked North Carolina, and they just always loved college basketball. But North Carolina was the main the main team that they liked watching. Yeah. So did that? Did they pass that on to you? Like when you, you know, when you first yeah yeah watching? yeah. When I first started watching college basketball, like North Carolina was probably one of the first that I got introduced to. Um, it was like mainly the blue blood. Uh, but mainly I just was stuck, who stuck out was North Carolina. Yeah. So, but your people, just to be clear, they're not from here, right? Like they're they're all yeah nah. Yeah, my mom, my mom from Kansas City, and my dad from St. Louis. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, um, did you ever have like, uh, did he ever have you fitted out in some kind of Carolina jersey or something like that back? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I, I was, I was always in the Carolina gear. Um, my elementary school, middle school. And then when I got to high school, I had to get creative because actually, actual college coaches was. Uh, coming after me, so, uh, I couldn't really deck out in North Carolina, but as soon as I got that offer, you know, I was excited. <laughs> no doubt. I, I mean, did you ever, like, when you first started playing basketball, did you ever dream of playing here, or was it just, you know, uh, well, well, what, was it like that? Was it a dream? Was this like the school? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I would, I would say that uh, being at the, I, I just thought North Carolina was the biggest stage, and uh, you know, just watching them and watching the national championship games, uh, the big games when they played Kentucky, when they played Duke, um, just watching those games. I wanted to be at that level, and I knew what. Uh, I didn't really know at the time uh, what it took to get there until like I got older. But growing up, I was just uh, like a little kid dreaming. Yeah. So how how did how did it kind of switch uh, when you know your dad started coaching Jason? Say it again. How, how did how did Jason Tatum and his influence when your dad started coaching him and and Jason ends up at Duke? Like that's your boy, <laughs> right? So you're not going to be him. You know how how did things kind of switch up when when Tatum came to Durham? Oh yeah, well yeah, well I mean I was always rooting for him, so wherever he went, I was gonna I was gonna cheer for him. But uh, I wasn't like I said when he went to he when he was at Duke, I was a fre I say I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. I want to say yeah, I was a freshman in high school, so uh, wherever he went, then I was I was gonna root for him regardless. So I wasn't necessarily rooting for the team, um, but I was rooting for him that, that he had a good game. Yeah, yeah. So, what does it mean to you? You know, you got you got guys like Jason, Larry Hughes, Bradley Beal. Um, can't forget Darius Miles. Yeah. Just the, the kind of collection of of uh, players who've come out of St. Louis. What what would it mean to you to have a kid throw Caleb Love in that in that collection and be I like, mean, I mean, want to be like Caleb? It'll mean a lot, you know, because you know I. I uh, I worked so hard, and I watched those guys, and and I seen I seen what it took took to get to where they are now, and I and and it's nothing but work. So, uh, you know, I believe I can get there. 
and and be up there with them and be in those conversations. And it, like I said, it's mean a lot to be talked about amongst those guys. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I read somewhere where you uh, worked with a with a uh, trainer in the off season, uh, and um, kind of changed your shot up some. Yeah. Uh, can Can you walk me through that that process? Yeah. Well, in the summertime, I went to L.A. and I went to work out with Drew Hanlon, and Drew Hanlon works out Zach Levine, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Kelly Oubre, uh, R.J. Barrett, uh, a lot of those guys, and so he he's training the top guys in the league. So, uh, you know, I had to, and he's from St. Louis, so you know, I had that kind of connection with him, and I hit him up, and I was like, I never really worked out with him before I went to L.A. Um, I think it was like spots here and there, but not no real, real actual workout. So I hit him up. I'm like, I got to come out there. And I, and I told him, um, and he was like, just tell me the time and, and whenever you, whenever you need it, need me. And, and I went out there for like a, a week or so, a week and a half. And that week and a half was just so crucial for me that, that he had changed my shot just a, just a little bit. And now I'm shooting, shooting the way I'm shooting. Yeah. What, what did you guys change about it? Um, it was just like, it was just like, part of it he said was, a lot of it was confidence, um, you know, and then just me like probably leaning, leaning forward a little bit more, um, my ball placement when, when it leaves my hands, um, and then just reps, just reps on reps, shoot the same way every time because, you know, a lot of guys, when they shoot, they don't shoot the same way every time. So with me, I was just getting a lot of reps up and making sure I'm shooting the same way every time. And, and now when I work out, I, I I take that same approach. Yeah, did you have? I mean, you've improved from twenty six percent three point range to now forty two. Did you have uh, a number in mind? Like, did you think it would be that drastic? I mean, I, I expected I expected to shoot better, but I, I didn't really know what that would look like because, uh, you know, working out and then actually being in the game is is different, but. Uh, you know, I just trust in, trust in my work and stick to, uh, stick to my, my plan and my routine. And, um, I don't, I don't see this as a surprise though, because I did put in the work. Yeah. You, you've, uh, referenced that a lot. Um, talking about trusting your work and, and, and putting in the work and stuff. What is your routine like? Like, especially during, during the season. So it's not like you have a ton of extra time just to be. Right you know, getting stuff up. But what what's kinda like a general day or week like in terms of your, your routine? Yeah, just just a regular day, like if we don't have a game, um I wake up and I work out at eight AM and I get like a thirty minute workout in and I chill and then go to class. And once I get out of class I probably take a nap. Um and I come and then I either get uh treatment if I need it or um, and then I get on the court about 30 minutes before, get a workout in, and then go to practice. And then after practice, I get like a little 15, 20 minute workout in after practice, and then my day is over. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you still do a lot of the meditating? I remember you mentioned in that last season. Is that still yeah, a part of? I still, I still do that daily. I, I feel like that's probably the main key. To my to my success and, and me staying level headed because you know the season like I, I I was just going through a slump 
and and you know meditating just keeps me at the same like at the same level like I'm not going I'm never too high I'm never too low like even when I was in that slump I knew I was going to shake back sometime like some some way somehow I didn't know when it was going to be but just stand stand stick sticking to my routine like with my workouts meditating um talking to my parents like them keeping keeping me keeping my confidence level up um and then talking to coach Davis and and the people close to my circle they just keep me Knowing that I put in the work and knowing that I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get out of the slump whenever, whenever that will be. But like Coach Davis has showed me a stat where Steph Curry shot like 35% in, in the month of January or some, something like that. He was like, even the best of the best have slump. So, uh, he was like, what else can you do on the court? Rebound. You got, you can rebound. You could, uh, get your assists and stuff like that. So there's other things on the court other than, other than just making shots. Yeah, yeah. Now, how would you say, uh, you know, obviously you guys got, uh, got to close out the regular season still. Um, but right. how has this season gone? I mean, when you look at the season so far for yourself, um, how would you rate it? Like, you know, are, are you about where you expect it to be? Are you behind? Are you ahead? I feel like I, I say, um, um, let me think. Uh, I say um, I give my grade as a as a a B or a C plus as far as my play. Um, and you know, going into going into March, I got we got like what six games left, and then we got the Duke game, and we got ACC tournament March Madness. So I feel like um, going into the going into that, I feel like we that I can. Cool. I want. I want to not say prove myself to anybody, but prove myself to myself, like that I can play better than what I did. Because you know I had that eight game stretch, so I can turn turn it around. You know, because um, like I want to say I ain't. I haven't did anything. You know, like I don't. Like I, I expect so much out of myself to a point where I know I can play so much better than what I've been playing all season. Would you? I mean, would you say you put too much pressure on yourself? Like, like do you no, need to curl it back? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't put. I don't even put any pressure on myself on anymore. Like I did that all last year, um, and I and it and it hurt me to the core. Like probably I was at my lowest, but when I go out there and play, I'm I'm free. Like I don't I don't put no pressure. I just go hoop. No matter if I have a good game or a bad game, like I'm just gonna go hoop in there. Cause I like putting pressure on yourself can can hinder your play, yeah. and I feel like just adding that pressure on yourself is not gonna do much do much but hinder you. Yeah. So so just kind of expanding on what you just said, what what about last year? Like what what kind of what do you mean when you say you you had a low point? Like what what was that low point? Was it? The wins and losses of it was it how you were shooting? What was it? It was all of it, you know. It was like the wins, the lo- like the losses that we had uh, that we should have won. Um, my shooting percentage, like just not tr- uh, just not being able to figure it out because I never really, I never, pl- I never went through a through a season, a whole season where I played and I I didn't succeed. Like besides those two games at uh, Duke playing Duke, but. Um, I just feel like, um, 
it was just to a point where I just couldn't figure it out. I didn't know how to figure it out. And I didn't really have my my parents with me, like, because it wasn't there. It was my first, like, time where my parents weren't with me all the time. I wasn't going back home to them. So I couldn't, I didn't have that comfort level. And, um, you know, COVID, you couldn't really talk to your teammates. So you couldn't really be with your team. And you couldn't really be with your coaches outside of the court that much. So I couldn't, it's, it wasn't really the, the some of the relationships weren't there. Uh, so, I mean, it was just, it was just tough. So did you, uh, at any time, you know, did you figure you were still going to be here? Like, like during that? Was, did you yeah, yeah. Think I, leaving? Yeah, no, nah, I didn't think of leaving. I, I, I was, I was still focused. Like, even when I was going through that, I was, I was just focused on that season. And, uh, I wasn't really focusing on the league or, or if, if I was going to transfer or anything like that, I was focused on what we had, what we had at stake and, um, trying to get as many wins as we could. And then once that, once that time came where, uh, I had to make a decision to make the best decision for myself, I made the right decision. You know, there wasn't no doubt that I was coming back. Yeah, yeah. What do you uh, speaking of that decision? Um, I, I imagine you're gonna have to make that decision one way or the other again after right. this season is over. Is that something that you? Uh, how much thought have you given to that? Is, are you leaning one way or the other right now? No, I'm not. I, I'm I'm focused on us winning the national championship because I, I actually feel like we can win that, and I'm, I'm focused on winning the regular season. I feel like we can win that. Um, we're focused on winning the ACC tournament and, and also, like I said, the money matters. I feel like we can win a national championship and I really believe that. And so that's all I'm focused on right now. And when that time comes, I'll, I'll focus on that. Yeah. Would it be safe to say that, that your dad has been the most influential person, um, on your basketball career? I said my dad and my mom, um, both of them, um, I've been there every step of the way. They ain't never, they never missed a game in my life. Uh, so I feel like they, they, they the most, they push me to be the best me and, you know, I look up to them and, and their work ethic and I get my work ethic from them. And so, and they, they never gonna like fold on me. They'll never sway one way or another. If I have a good game or a bad game, if I have a good game, they're telling me keep going. Don't get satisfied. If I have a bad game, they're telling me keep going. Same thing. So like, like when I was going through that slump, they were, I was leaning on them the most, and they 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 just told me to continue to stay working and continue to do what I do and and focus on what am I what am I doing that's that's not that's that's obviously not working. So um, stuff like off the court, what am I doing? Because it, cause it, it, it all goes hand. My mom, my mom preaches that like it all goes hand in hand. What you doing off the court, what you doing on the court, like it all goes hand in hand to to, to basketball. So um, I believe both of them have been the most inspirational and, and the most helpful for me. Yeah, yeah. Did your dad coach um, before you started playing? Like, was he has he always been a basketball coach, or, or did he get coach. more involved when you started playing? Nah, he was a football coach before. I, I, well, he was a basketball coach. He had, he had coached basketball um, at, a, at a high school that he was. He was a coach and he was a principal um, at the same time. Uh, so uh, he was a 
football coach. His football is his was his sport, and he loved football. And when I was born, he let me choose. Like I played football and basketball till I got to high school, and then he let me choose. Um, and then I, I chose basketball. So um, once I got to once I got to eighth, no, yeah, once I got to eighth grade, he stopped coaching coaching me, and then he he took uh he let Brad 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 Bill take over. Okay, okay. What uh, what what did you play in football? What positions? Wide receiver. I played a little bit of quarterback too, um, but wide receiver was my main my main uh, position. Yeah. Did your dad, when he coached you in basketball, did he did he coach like a football coach coaching basketball? You know what I mean? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> was, was he like was he like more about the physicality of it? You know what I mean? Like was he a nah, like he kind of he kind of. Yeah, he drove he drove me hard and stuff like that, but um, he was more like learning on on the fly. Like when he he figured that I love basketball, and he put the basketball in my hands, he figured that I I could be good at it. He was just learning on the fly. Like he he was learning with me um, as he was coaching, and he he got better and better at it each and every year. And so like he would draw up plays, and I I'm like I don't know how he how he know this. <laughs> Cause he was a football player. He never really, he never played basketball. So, uh, it was just amazing how, how he could learn like that and, and do what, do what he did for me because he's basically my coach all my life. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to take a sidetrack right quick, um, uh, cause I know we're running out of time, but, um, uh, and ask about social media for a second. Uh-huh. Cause I saw, you know, um, going back to last year, uh-huh. One, everybody thinks they're savage till they see one face. Yeah. And then it got used against you. <laughs> and then you used it back again. Like, what, yeah. how, how do you just view kind of, you know, because people can take that stuff too seriously and, and it can take right. a life of its own. But how, how do you view kind of just the back and forth on, on social media? I mean, I mean, like I like I like I tweeted. It's just social media. Like I feel like people take it a certain way, and it's not like I was taking a shot at anybody. Uh, you know, it's just it's like it's like competing off the court. Like you know, if if that can, if, a, if a social media post can get under your skin, anything can get under your skin. Like like they that shouldn't phase anybody. Um, you know, um, I just feel like social media is taking a whole three sixty to the way people perceive it and and you know i like i said i try to stay away from it but i mean when when it's times like that i just i'm i'm it's my social media i'm, I'm having fun on social media so yeah uh i feel like but people like i said people take it the way they want to take it